I'm Scott, the CEO of Colmeo, and you are listening to Agency of Change, a podcast that aims to showcase excellence and best practice in residential real estate in Australia. I'm joined by my co-host, Head of Strategy at Colmeo, Brock Fisher. Hi, everybody. Uh, today, it gives me a great pleasure to introduce one of my favourite people in property management. That is Jody Staten, Director of Coronas Now. Thanks so much, guys. I'm so excited to be here. That's very cool. We're up to have you, Jody. Um, now, a bit of background for people listening that may not know uh, who Coronas is. They're a Queensland-based agency, or have been historically, with a network of 25 offices across southeast Queensland. Uh, and Coronas now is obviously a pretty impressive new e-business model, which we're really keen to talk about today. Um, Jody, to kick us off, tell us what it is that you do and why is that so exciting? Okay, well, essentially, it's all about getting property managers into their own business and, and kind of changing the industry because we're doing that. Um, so that's basically what we do. Why it's so exciting is, is that real change piece. You know, at the moment, you often find that property management is the poor cousin to sales. I know we sort of talk about it. Um, it often, you know, we do have a negative six customer satisfaction score across Australia with regards to property management. So we know our clients aren't happy. So what can we do to make that, you know, what can we do to change that and make sure that we've got this um, this incredible industry going forward? And I think what we're doing and what you guys are doing and a few of us out there are doing it is really um, going to impact that in the future, which is really exciting. So, Jody, can you tell me a little bit more about what is different about the Coronas Now model uh, as opposed to, you know, I guess your traditional corner real estate office? Yeah, there's, there's probably a lot of things, but mainly the the biggest thing is is that the person that actually really cares about property management is sitting in the chair and delivering a service every single day. Their name is on the door. They build their own wealth. They're not building someone else's wealth. Um, and that all has a huge impact around the service delivery around property management. So the clients get, a, I personally believe, a far better service um, than what uh, I think traditional agencies, certainly at that negative six um, customer benchmark that we have, customer service satisfaction benchmark at the moment, um, we're finding that we're blowing that out of the water. So um, so that is the difference. The other thing is, is obviously we're promoting people to get in their own business, get their actually build their own wealth, uh, work from home. I don't think you need to be working, you know, we're all working from home at the moment. I mean, we can do that from anywhere now. So it's very different from this bricks and mortar approach where we need to go to the office, at, you know, between 8.30 and 5.30 every day. And it's, so it offers a flexible lifestyle for your kids. There's a whole host of reasons why this is different. Um, so, Jody, this is kind of fascinating because what you are doing in so many ways, um, I guess, really could cause some ripples for the traditional property management industry. But you're doing it through a really well-established traditional agency model brand in Coronas. And can I ask then, like for the people that work in the Coronas business, have you found there's any um, kind of challenge, I guess, around you going off and doing this very different thing on the side and, and does it affect their engagement for what they're doing in that business or how have you got through that? Yeah, look, I can't sit here and say that it doesn't because it does. You know, anytime you're trying to, if you can liken it to there's this big ship and I'm kind of at the dinghy on, you know, on the back of the ship, not even on the ship really. <laughs> you look at the dinghy floating around the back and you're trying to get people to see a different way of doing things. Um, everyone is very focused on Coronas. They're, they're very focused about where Coronas is going and where it's always been and all the legacy and those sorts of things. So it is about 
helping people see that there are, you know, major opportunities for everyone. This actually means that our own property managers can go in and at some point get their own business. We've never cut that off to them and said, oh, no, you need to stay in the traditional thing. We've said, you know, anyone that wants to do this will support you. This is where we think our business, we think there's um, a vision for both and all. I, I think the thing is we've just sort of decided that there's, um, if we can have almost a selection process for our people that work for us, they can work anything or they can work the hours they want to under the model that they want to and our clients can pick, we sort of think we're in the right the right frame. So Jody, I just wanted to ask you a question about, I guess, the challenges of work from home and kind of bring that team feel and that team environment together. So, you know, in tr traditional property management uh, business it's kind of a team that pe keeps people coming back uh, to work and, you know, people love their colleagues that they work with and, you know, that engagement and that cultural aspect. Can you talk us through uh, some of the ways that you've approached that and maybe how, how technology plays a part there? Yeah, I, I think technology has played a huge part in being able to work remotely successfully. And I, I don't even think it's working from home. I think it's just working remotely, working from anywhere you choose. And the great news is we can all do that now. So we uh, use Teams. So Microsoft, we use the full Microsoft um, suite and we use Teams as basically the backbone of what we do. So all of our files, our communications, our meetings, everything is in the one place. Everything is recordable. Often I'm dealing with people who might be, our team are often working part-time somewhere else. They might be working at night. Um, so we have to make sure that we're recording things, that it's available for when it's when it's available for them, when they want it. Um, so we're really using technology to its fullest around all of that. If I join Coronas now, I think one of the great challenges and certainly some of the roadblocks that uh, I've heard people talk about as far as starting their own business is they're really confident and really proficient as property managers, but that challenge around actually growing their business uh, is one of those things that's ever present. And not everyone kind of has those skills to be, you know, the great hunter in a true BDM sense. So can you talk us through some of the ways that you can help people to to grow their business uh, if they do come to Cronus now? And I guess, you know, what sort of training and, and mentoring do you offer in that space? Yeah, you're right on the mark when you say that um, when, when a property manager especially has been working in a business and they decide to take on their own business, they, uh, they're actually going from a paid employee to non-paid for the very first time. And it's not only how do I make that prospecting call, but it's the entire emotional journey around having things come across your desk and do now I have to make my own work. Um, it's, you know, probably working from home for the first time and, and all of that discipline around that. It's it, it's um, putting yourself out there the, for the first time because you probably haven't ever done any kind of business development before. So there's this entire emotional journey. And even from the point of view of just basics of getting your own business structure sorted and um, what type of what type of software, all of that is a thing, right? So I think one of the things that we've done really well is we package it all up in a neat little box 
and then we make sure that we handhold all the way through. So for example, we've got an onboarding calendar that literally says every single day for 12 weeks what you need to achieve and how we're going to help you to do that. So we get on teams, we have our meetings in the morning, this is what today looks like, you've got to get your business structure sorted, you need to get your professional indemnity insurance sorted, this is who to go to, you know, we literally handhold it the whole way through to the point where even their first prospecting calls is literally, we are on the phone doing, I have literally got on the phone and said, <laughs> hi, I'm Mary from so-and-so and literally making the first calls so that they know that they like hand-holding, right? Because it, it's a really emotional journey. I guess that's one of those uh, great managerial traits that you wouldn't expect your team to do something that you wouldn't be prepared to do. So it's good to, you know, go there and, and lead by example in that space. We've we've got to, uh, you, you can't expect people, and this is a great lesson for anyone building their business, you can't expect people to just get and do the things if they've never done it before. We just have to get in and help show, teach you know, and reinforce, it, it, it's that constant piece, right? It's um, it's the most important thing we can do. So Jody, with that in mind, like, is there, a, um, is there a type of person that this really suits and a type of person that perhaps probably should just stay in the traditional model or do something very different? Like, is there a, a um, set of characteristics you're looking for or what have you seen so far? Yeah, it's, it's such a great question because, um, I struggle with this all the time because, yes, there is. The more the person, and it's not actually about in terms of, it's not really skill level. So if we talk about Vicki Wharton for a second, who has been absolutely incredible for us, yes, she's skillful in property management, but she really hadn't done business development before. So she didn't have a skill set around that, but she has the grit and determination to just do anything, right? So, and so... I'll often, people try to um, intellect their way around doing something <laughs> or try to um, process their way to do something. You yeah. actually just have to do it. Have to do it. Yeah. yeah. I was sitting with um, a, a lady that's starting with us and, you know, she's a brilliant BDM in terms of closing, but she herself is saying, I, I haven't really ever picked up the phone. And I said, honey, this is it. I'm not in that. I shouldn't say that. I wasn't <laughs> I probably said babe, to be honest. <laughs> but it was, this is your phone. Do you know your phone? Yes. Do you pick it up 357 times a day? Yes, I do. Do you know how to put the numbers in? Yes, you do. Do you know how to make a call? Yes, I do. Right? This is not, we just need to do it. Don't think about it. We can't think. So it, it is literally that. Just get in and do it. And I understand, though, that that's really hard for people. So we have to get in and do it with them. And that's yeah. the, that's the success thing. It's not that... You know, people said to me, there's no way property managers will actually be able to do business development. Well, our property managers are not only doing business development now, they're actually selling properties. We're creating a whole new breed of real estate agent. You know, most of our partners who have never sold property before are now selling their own investment properties as well, right? Because the the customer, one, doesn't see the difference between a salesperson and a property manager. They just want someone to look after their investment. So we're proving that. So these, and usually women, are not only learning business development, they're selling, they've got all of these skills. They just have to trust themselves to be able to do it. And that's just a bit of hand-holding and a bit of, you know, we believe in you, believe in yourself, let's back yourself, um, let's, you know, let's go. And, that, and that's, I think, probably what we do the best. I'm just thinking through, I guess, day one, Jody. So I ring you up and I go, hey, Coronas Now sounds like my bag. Um, like literally what's the process? How do I get paid? All that sort of stuff. Because I guess I'm, if I'm thinking through 
what I would need to be doing if I actually did want to uh, start up my own business. I'm thinking about all the tech stuff and you know the website stuff and the and the lead generation. Uh, and also, I'm thinking about cash as well because I need a buffer because it's going to take me a little while to get up and running. So um, you and I have just had a call. I've gone, yeah, I'm totally down for this. What happens next? What can I expect out of my next three months? And and how poor am I going to be in the first few stages there? What happens is is we. We do have a structured process. So everyone kind of goes through the same process, but they probably go through at different. So if you've had a business before and you understand how to get your business structure sorted and those sorts of things, clearly I'm not probably holding your hand as much. But we have what happens is is you say, yes, I want to do this. We there's a contract to sign, obviously. So we get an agreement out, we get that signed, and then we start the onboarding process. So Carlene, my operations manager, actually um, sends you there's a Trello board with all of the actions that you need to do um, with every single step by step. Either if there's a referral, someone that we know that you can get your professional indemnity insurance, it's in there. If there's um, the difference between sole trader and uh, company structure and an entire decision tree, it's in the Trello board. So everything is listed out so you've got all of your information in one place plus you've got a calendar of 12 weeks which literally says and every meeting invite on teams so that you can just press a button and get in teams and, and be on the right meeting and then everything from getting your professional photo writing your bio um, getting all of your marketing done to uh, giving you all of your logins, uh, going through, making sure your logins work and you can get in. We've now got a one sign-on system, so a single sign-on, which is, makes that so much easier. Um, we So we take you through all of that. This is an important step. We write a business plan with you is the first thing we do, right? So we in, in that, we'll ask you things like, what do you want to earn? Like, what does ideally look like? We work back from there. We've already done a financial case study with you probably during the, um, you want us to know how poor you'll be. That's usually one of the first questions, right? So we do a financial case study and figure out what the finances look like. So you're going in really knowing what it's going to look like for you for that first 12 months, the first 12 weeks. Um, so we've got all of that. We put it in a business plan. We talk about things like, um, you know, if you've started something before, why have you failed or why why what do you think could stop you what's the threat to achieving the plan what's the opportunities um your values we go through all of that yeah it's really comprehensive so i guess if i'm you know and you know being a traditional property manager in a in a fairly standard structure in the past and you know i'm probably managing 150 properties to earn a reasonable income there and i think about how long it would take me to build 150 properties probably going to take me a fair while so uh, like what, in terms of earning capability and, you know, I'm going to have bills to pay, et cetera, what could I expect to be earning approximately like finger in the air if I, if I found like 50 properties or maybe even 40? Yeah, so 40 properties is usually the first benchmark, the first milestone. And the reason it is is because it's usually about $1,000 a week. And that's kind of, I can deal with that, right? Most property managers yeah. are on that between fifty-five and sixty-five thousand dollars a year. So if I'm getting a thousand dollars a week, and by the way, I'm building my asset value in the meantime, but I can actually, I'm cool with that. So forty properties does that. Sixty properties will literally replace your current wage. So if you're on that between fifty-five and sixty-five thousand, you'll be around sixty-five thousand dollars a year once you're hitting sixty properties. But the great news is you're doing sixty properties instead of a hundred. You know, you literally, once you've built your business, if not at the time when you're building your business, but once you've got that 60 management, you, you're really doing two to three hours of work a day. You've got really good flexibility. You've got a great lifestyle and you've got the asset value, which, you know, everyone forgets about, but that's a significant amount of money. 
It's, well, it's kind of interesting. We we speak quite a bit about you know the high rate of churn in property management, and it's something that we you know with Colmio we talk a lot about. How do we solve this and help the job become more enjoyable and so on to uh, increase the time people stay in the industry. There's clearly a lot of pent up frustration with the way things are done traditionally. Um, I, I guess I'm curious as to what you're finding when people are approaching you. What are they telling you is the reason that they're exploring something like this? Is it frustration with the old or excitement with the new or something in between? Unfortunately, it's usually frustration with the old. Um, it's not usually I'm doing it because I have desperately wanted to own my business, own business and I've got this vision for my life. It's I cannot work for someone else anymore. As a, a property management professional and someone that really cares about what we're doing, that actually really pains me um, because, you know, there's all these property managers sitting out there right now that are just so frustrated. They feel like they can't. What I hear all the time is I care more about my business than what, my, than what the owner does. I'm underappreciated, I'm undersupported, and I'm underpaid for what I do. I work too many hours. I can't pick up my kids. It's inflexible. These are the sorts of conversations I'm having every single day. And the worst part is, is that often these people have been in the industry for 15 to 20 years. So we're at risk of losing our most knowledgeable people due to just a complete and total frustration with a lack of um, care about their profession. So the great news is for someone like me, we've got a fantastic solution for them, but it does pain me that this is, um, you know, this is the way of the industry at the moment. So can I just synthesize back what I think I've just heard just to just to make sure I'm, I'm understanding this correctly. So if I was to get up to a benchmark of about 60 properties, I've effectively replaced the wage that I'm traditionally earning in a normal model and I'm working about 15 hours a week plus I have the benefit of the asset value. Yep, that's exactly right. Wow. Do you know what everyone says to me? And it's it's It sounds too good to be true, Jones. <laughs> What what's the catch? And it sounds too good to be true. And um, I love when I hear that. It's also yeah. I then have to kind of resell it again. <laughs> but it it it's true. It is that is literally it. Vicky is now on. She actually has eighty five managements now. So she's on more than a hundred. I think she's a She's up to about one hundred and forty thousand dollars or something. Plus wow. now she's wow. she's sold. I think she she listed a one point six million property the other day. Um, she's sold I think three or four properties now. So this is a woman that joined uh, September last year. So she's been going for just over twelve months, and she's now on more than double. In fact, almost certainly more than double than she ever made before. And when you take the sales income, more than triple than what she was on before. She had Christmas for the first time with her kids. Um, she, you know, she she sends me, I, I actually hate her. She sends me photos from the beach <laughs> with a management agreement just going, I just gave myself a 5K pay rise. I'm like, why am I not doing this? <laughs> so can I ask then, like we just, we spoke about Christmas just a moment ago. How do I take a break? So I'm in this business. I've got tenants that obviously need to be served and everything else. How do I get time off? The great news is, is that everyone else wants the same thing. So we're all looking after each other. So, for example, when this did happen, Vicky went for, away for Christmas last year and I got in and did inspections for it. There's no um, ivory towers in this. I, I don't believe in it. And um, so, yeah, I, I was doing inspections. Carlene will get in and do inspections. Uh, everyone looks after each other because we're in this, all in the same boat. We all want to take in holidays. But the other thing is, is if you're smart about what you're doing, and we coach people to do this because it's really important that you do take a break every year. And one of the things I constantly hear from existing 
small business owners that are looking at Coronas now as well, because we obviously talk to them too, is that they can't take that break. They don't have that network. And so for them, we coach people to say, okay, make sure you have, when are you having your break for starters? Okay, don't have your routine inspections in that time. Don't put your lease renewals in that time. But if something does happen, we will be able to support you through it. It's not hard. So we all just, we just all work together on that. It's not hard at all. It's interesting. I've been thinking a lot about uh, the content of today's chat um, and, you know, the, the challenges of property management and the property management business model is something I've spent a fair bit of time wrestling with over the years. And it's always been one of those kind of really high volume, low margin businesses. And, you know, my experience working with, with teams and being a property manager myself is most people really care deeply about the work that they do and the relationships they have and looking after the customers. But the pressures to actually uh, manage a significant numbers of those properties and those relationships uh, in order to make that model profitable is just ultimately too much. And I think that that really feeds into the churn issue that we talk so much about in the industry. So what you've come up with here essentially answers so many of those challenges because I think also what we've effectively done is remove a whole middle layer of, of management from the model and you can therefore be kind of like the operational mentor, um, but everyone is kind of self-sufficient, I guess, because they've got skin in the game. Like mm. not everyone that's a Coronas now, uh, effectively a business owner, actually requires the management and the KPI and, and all of that sort of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's really a revolutionary line of thinking. I, I, feel, I feel like you um you get it, Brock, you know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the beauty of this. Like, um there has been the, and especially you know this better than anyone, there has been how do we scale problem for a really long time, oh, right? And yeah. it's not necessarily, and I think we all thought that if we scale, we'll get the benefit of scale, which will reduce costs. And so therefore it'll all be okay. But the fact is, I'm not sure that anyone's actually truly proven that yet, right? Yeah. I, there's not a, there's not in a really, um, not in a, certainly not in an easy way that people, other people can do. So the the scale issue and keeping hyper local and exactly what you said with um, removing that management layer out the biggest thing is is that we are genuinely building a network effect the real true kind of network effect where you joining actually you know indirectly or directly benefits someone over here because we're all sharing knowledge we're all sharing resources and I don't need to be the coach all the time. Like I, at first, yes, I was the coach, but now my entire, our entire team of community, um, we're all community leaders, are all coaching each other. So we don't need that management layer. Yeah, and I also suppose there's like really literal direct cause and effect there that if you lose a management, then your income and your asset value is directly impacted. And likewise, as you said, with the big example, if you put one on, you've effectively given yourself a pay rise. So I think, uh, you know, that's a really... I guess, um, a pertinent point because sometimes I think losing a management as a property manager doesn't really sting as much as it should in a lot of instances. So there's that kind of direct line there of accountability, which is interesting. Same as vacancy. I, I was just helping someone write their local agent profile, or profile page profile, because uh, that's one of the things that some of our partners do. And we were talking about, um, you know, it says, you know, about you, about your agency and what's your marketing strategy. And we're literally doing this before I jumped on this. And it came up that, you know, we were saying, well, it, as a vacant property actually affects my hip pocket. And that's very different to a current property manager sitting in an agency. Mm. And we all know that an investor 
you're usually getting new managements because an investor is displeased or they're vacant, right? That's just it. It's usually those two reasons and it's usually vacancy. Now, if I don't get paid because you're not getting paid, it's a direct cause and effect. I will get your property and our people are getting properties rented within three days on average, not just during COVID, but because they drop and run and put quality tenants in. It's just, you know, it's just what we're doing because we get paid immediately. And not only that, we get to shout out to the world that we've got that property rented and we know that it gets us the next property. Property managers don't think like that. You could see that kind of helping them grow so quickly as well, because at the end of the day, I think most of us, if you have investment property, you talk to other friends that you have that have investment property and the frustrations are so common. Uh, Equally, the delight is as well. So when it goes well, it's a consistent set of reasons why. And we tell people when it's not going so well, same kind of thing. I'd imagine if you get that one kind of unicorn person that is, you know, um, just as deeply connected to rent flowing through that property as what you are you'd be so inclined to say to all of your mates that have property as well, be it at the barbecue or whatever, that I've, I've found the one. <laughs> like, I've got to make an introduction for you. I've found the one. It's, a real, it's an Australian thing, right, to want to be able to um, help our friends and family with people that we really like. I really believe in word of mouth, uh, sorry, referral and word of mouth type marketing. And I think um, this lends itself exactly what you said there, Scott. It lends itself really well to it. So, Jody, we've spoken a lot about all the, the wow factors of the model, I guess, you know, to take the opposing view. Have we found anything that's, I guess, an unexpected downside? And I guess I'm thinking about stuff like um, given that there's such a direct contact line between clients and Cronus Now people, you know, do you find that affects their work-life balance at all? Like, Are they taking calls at 10 o'clock? Uh, you know, because traditionally you can kind of leave work and sort of sign off for the day. But is there any, are we seeing any of those sorts of, I guess, unintended consequences? Um, I mean, I'm taking calls at 10 o'clock, so yeah. (laughs) I think um, the funny thing is we all feel that way. We're all doing it because we all get it startup. I'm so lucky with this community where we we all genuinely understand that we're in the startup together and if if we all all actually get the network effect, we actually understand it. It's something we talk about a lot. Um, But yes, there are. So I think it's actually more around things like working from home for the first time or working remotely. Um, things like the challenges with your family, right? You are, because you're working from home, almost it seemed like you're not actually really working. That's, you know, that's a challenge for families to get through. And the good news is I've been doing that for about seven years. So I sort of understand. So I, you know, my family know when I'm working and that they're just, they're just not allowed to come in. <laughs> so um, there's, there's that. There's challenges around definitely clients. We are very accessible and even do Sunday inspections and all sorts of things. But because we've got that work-life balance, it's it's not it's not a resented thing. I don't I don't my team tend to not think about doing Sunday as a bad thing. It's a I'm getting the property rented and I've got Tuesday to go and get my hair done or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It, it mm. doesn't seem to be such an issue yet. Um, I think the one of the challenges I have personally is I want this for everyone. And sometimes people joining don't want enough for themselves, you know, and I can't make people build their own business. I can give them all the tools and all the stuff, but yep. that hurts sometimes if I can't get them up to where they want to go and we will have a fallout rate. There's just no doubt about that. That's a challenge. Um, there's the rest is I don't think we've seen any other unintended, but we've had positive unintent like the selling, you know, we didn't know that that I thought it would happen, but I didn't know it would happen. Um, that's probably, 
I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but at this stage, it doesn't appear to be that. There's obviously, it is difficult for someone to go from paid to not paid for the very first time in their life and to go through all of those emotions, um, yeah. all of those, you know, security. Security is such a big thing to be thinking about their security levels, all of that. So definitely are people highly emotive and we're sometimes copying the brunt of that at the start without a doubt. Um, at the risk of asking the least exciting question of the day, but it's just the pragmatic part of my brain kicking in, um, like what do you do about keys? So I love this question and the reason I love it is because it almost was the question that stopped this whole thing going ahead. <laughs> Because it was the one question Andrew asked. He said, but how do we deal with tears? And I went, oh, God, seriously, that's the least of our problems. Um, I, so the thing is, there's lots of ways to deal with it. A, a lot, we are actually using digital locks. So I've got digital locks on my own properties. So, you know, I love it. Um, so our team are starting to do that. But also they do have their keys in lockable safes and those sorts of things within either their home or um they some have partnerships with other people some leave them at a trade if they're using there's there's different things that they do um but mainly it's at home in a lockable safe so um we've spent a lot of time sort of talking about i guess one really exciting part of where the industry's headed next in terms of your business model and some of the cool stuff you're doing there you've been in the industry for quite a while what are you seeing in kind of um like a broad observation of where the industry is right now, perhaps compared to a few years ago, and where do you think the industry as a whole is kind of headed to over the next few years? I think we are hopefully, I, I'm probably being optimistic about this, but I, I think that we're entering into a phase where hopefully we'll be able to start to see the difference between the good and the bad and, and actually be able to put that in a measurable, meaningful way so that clients really do have great choice. And choice around deciding to pay lower fees for a lower service or choice around deciding to pay boutique fees and boutique services but it's it's a meaningful thing rather than we're just discounting and doing things all over the place and you know no one's really got any strategy around it that's where I hope it's going um, and I think we're getting there from the technology that's coming to the forefront I think it's more transparent around um, service levels around days vacant market on the market all those things are starting to become much more transparent so clients should be able to find people in a meaningful way that suit them and that I think will then lend itself to probably the cookie cutter approach being a genuine strategy but this other whole boutique side being a genuine strategy as well and possibly um, kind of getting rid of the middle which I, I sort of hope happens but I also understand that, that that means a lot for a lot of people but I think it will sort of be these large businesses getting that cookie cutter stuff really right in a really good way and the other, you know, boutiques sort of stuff with what I'm doing. Um, that's what I think is going to happen. A big thank you to Jodie for her time and wisdom today and a big thank you to you for listening. You can find more about Jodie and the Coronas Group at coronas.com.au or you can jump onto Facebook and give them a like. You can also find all the notes for today's show at colmeo.com. It's been great having you with us. You've been listening to Agency of Change. We'll see you next time.